Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Let's read from the Word of God now in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we'll be starting at verse 18, uh, reading to uh, chapter 16, verse 5. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Cool. All right, we're going to push into this passage in a moment, but let's pray again and ask God to help us. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you again that we can come to your word. Thank you that your word is life, and thank you that in uh, your word you speak to us. Lord, we pray that as you speak this morning, we would listen, we would hear what you've got to say, and that you would change us and challenge us from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this week, I stumbled across an article from 2012 about eight Amish men uh, from an Amish cult, actually, uh, that got arrested for not putting yellow blinkers on the back of their horse and cart. Uh, in, they're from Kentucky, and in Kentucky, uh, the law is if you're driving something on the road and it's slow enough, you need to put yellow or orange reflectors on the back of your cart so that people know that you're going slow and it's for safety measures. But according to these Amish men, uh, putting yellow reflectors on the back of your car was immodest. Uh, it went against their modesty codes, and so uh, they didn't pay their fines and they got arrested. But here was the guy's quote as he was kind of going to jail. He said, I don't think it's right to put somebody in jail for practicing their religious beliefs, 
but that's what we'll do if that's what it takes to abide by the biblical laws. And so they didn't put the reflectors on their car. Uh, they then didn't pay their fines, and then they spent between three and ten nights in jail for not putting reflectors on their horse and cart. Now, as you hear this story, I wonder how you feel in this moment. What thoughts run through your head as you see something like that? Because for me, I'm kind of conflicted, right? On the one hand, I think it's crazy. You know, it's a bit kind of just absurd, and I want to distance myself from it. But then on the other hand, it makes me ask some questions about myself and my own faith. And the reason it makes me ask questions is because when you think about the Amish people, if you're not familiar with them, the Amish people are kind of mainly based in America. Some of them are in Canada as well. And uh, they claim to be Christians. And what they say is, since we're, they're claiming to be Christians, they're going to isolate themselves from the rest of the world, kind of per permanent isolation. And they're going to isolate themselves in little communities. And then they're going to you know, uh, give up on the world. They're going to say, we belong to Jesus, so we're going to give up on the world. They don't get into technology, uh, the internet, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and they don't get into cars either or reflective lights on the back of their horse and carts. That's what the Amish do. They say, we belong to Jesus, and so we're not going to belong to the world. And so I come across these stories, and maybe you have as well occasionally. And on the one hand, you distance yourself from them and go, well, that's not us. But then on the other hand, it makes you ask the question, if that's what they're doing to live in the world as followers of Jesus, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us to kind of belong to Jesus and live in the world, especially if we're not going to permanently isolate ourselves? What does it look like to be a Christian who exists in the world? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to push into this space and this question. It's a good question to ask whether you are someone who's signed up to Christianity or not, to know exactly what this life is supposed to look like. And so we ask this question and we come to John chapter 15, uh, verse 18, and it's worth remembering to where we are in the story. Fully Loved, this series is called, and we've basically spent six weeks or five weeks, whatever it is, so far, uh, the night before Jesus goes to the cross. That's kind of where we're at uh, in the story. So everything we've seen so far, it's building up on that tension. And then Jesus speaks in this moment to kind of show us what life post-Jesus is going to look like. And, and we see in verse 18, he speaks. He says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So what does it mean to do life as a follower of Jesus and live in the world? Well, what we're going to see is to understand this question, we've got to understand three things. What it means to belong to the world, what it means to belong to Jesus, and then what that means for us. And really, we see all of this kind of flagged for us in these two verses, particularly in verse 19. Well, what we see in this passage is that verse 19 is actually kind of the framework that everything else from verse 18 through to 16, 5 it all kind of speaks about what's going on in verse 19. You know, we, we've seen this with John already in this series, haven't we? That uh, John doesn't speak like A, B, C, D in logical steps like we use now. He kind of goes all over the shop to reiterate his point. Remember, Ross used that illustration of the fishing line a few weeks ago. That's kind of how John's logic works to build his case. And here we see in verse 19 basically the framework for everything else that's going to come. Everything else kind of fits into these categories of what it means to belong to the world, what it means to belong to Jesus, and what it means to belong to uh, and what it means for us. Sorry, 
Now, have your Bibles there if you've got them in front of you and see if this is what's happening because that's, uh, that's the kind of the argument that I'm going to go with uh, and what I think is going on. And he starts here with what it means to belong to the world. Right? He says there, verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. So, so what does he mean when he's saying, if you belong to the world? What's Jesus speaking about in this moment? Because in, in one sense, we all belong to the world, right? Like, we haven't made it to Mars yet. We all exist on planet Earth. We all belong in some ways to the world. So what's Jesus speaking about here in this moment? Well, world for Jesus is not planet. It's not Earth. World for Jesus is kind of, you could sum it up as kind of the kingdom that exists outside of Jesus' rule. It's kind of how you could sum it up. The kingdom that exists outside of Jesus' rule. So it's, it's the values, it's the culture, it's the people, it's, it's who exists and what exists outside of the rule of Jesus. And so this will shape and change depending on what that culture looks like. Right, so, so that's going to change throughout history. It's going to be different to a, in a pre-Christian society, which is what the disciples are about to go into. It's going to be different to what a Christian society would look like, which is kind of what Australia was 100 years ago, to a post-Christian society, to what we are kind of now. It's going to be different as culture shifts and changes, but you could sum it up as generally belonging to, aligning with the rule or the people or the values outside of the kingdom of Jesus. That's what it means to belong to the world, saying, I belong here. This is where I'm standing. These are my values, my identity, my worth, my people. And so Jesus explicitly shows us what this looks like for the first century uh, disciples. You know, he says, if you belong to the world, the world will love you. You'll be accepted. You, you know, you can live outside of the kingdom of Jesus and you'll find acceptance there. You'll find love there, belonging there. People will like you if you aren't a, a follower of Jesus. He says from verse 20 to 25, if you belong to the world, then you're going to hate Jesus. That's pretty much the summary of those verses. You're going to hate Jesus. They persecuted Jesus. Uh, they'll persecute his followers. You hate Jesus. You hate the Father. You hate his followers as well. That's what it means to belong to the world. Belonging to the world from 16, 1 to 5 means that you will kick people out of places. You, they'll be kicked out of synagogues. They'll even kill you. If you belong to the world, you will kill the followers of Jesus. This is what it looks like for the first century to belong to the world. You, you live outside of the kingdom of Jesus, outside of the rule of Jesus, and so this is where you're making your stand. Now, as cultures shift and change, what it looks like to belong to the world will change as well, right? So it has changed and shifted throughout history to the point where we are today, right? And today in the West, in Australia, what it means to belong to the world is a little bit different. You know, it's less explicit, it's less, I'm going to kill you, and it's more subtle. It's less spiritual even, and it's more materialistic. It's less about what you believe and what I believe, and it's actually just more about what I can get. In fact, you could kind of sum up today as what it means to belong to the world now is like this. You could sum it up in the way of saying, I'm living for the here and now. That's what belonging to the world looks like in our culture, in our society. That's the values. I'm chasing what I can get now. Uh, whether it's money, whether it's stuff, whether it's a, a promotion, whether it's I'm chasing my identity, my worth in my sexuality, I'm living for the here and now. And so Jesus kind of goes, first and foremost, you can belong to the world. And, and if you belong to the world, the world will love you as its own. But then he contrasts it. 
Did you notice that? He contrasts it to belonging to Jesus. So verse 19 again, he says, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you don't belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So, so you can belong to the world or you can belong to Jesus. And what does it mean to belong to Jesus? Well, if you sum up belonging to the world as alignment to the kingdom outside of Jesus' rule, then you could say to belong to Jesus is saying, I'm with Jesus. I belong to him. I'm living under his rule. I'm getting all of the good stuff that he gives, and I'm orbiting my life around him. I'm centering my life on him. This is what it looks like to belong to Jesus. Now, it's worth noting that in this passage, we don't get the good stuff that Jesus gives, right? He, he's, he doesn't say that explicitly in this passage, but we've seen it in our journey in John, haven't we? We've seen the good stuff that Jesus gives. You know, a few weeks ago, he said, I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. So belonging to Jesus, you've got a place with the Father in heaven. He said things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe in me, you can have these things, said things like, as the Father loves the Son, so I will love you. If you belong to Jesus, you experience the love of God. If you belong to Jesus, he's also said he's going to give the Holy Spirit. So if we belong to Jesus, we get all the good stuff that Jesus gives and that he brings. But it also has some practical implications. It plays out because it's not just, you know, we're not just taking what we can get and running. No, if we belong to Jesus, we get the stuff he gives but it has practical implications in our life. It transforms us and it changes us, and there's some ways that it plays out on the ground. So again, Jesus is explicit here for what it means to belong to Jesus in the first century. You notice that? He said, verse 18 and 19, if you belong to Jesus, the world's going to hate you. He says that like, what, twice there. The world will hate you if you belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, verse 20 to 25, then you're going to be persecuted because of Jesus. You know, we, we follow a persecuted Savior, one who was rejected, ignored, and then killed. And he's saying, if you follow me, that's going to happen with you as well. If you follow Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, verse 26 and 27, then we'll get the Holy Spirit and we'll speak about Jesus. To belong to Jesus means that they'll speak about Jesus. Verse 16, 1 to 5, it's kind of the opposite of what we saw before. If you belong to Jesus, you'll be kicked out of the synagogues. You'll be killed. People will kill you thinking that they're serving God. And so you've got belonging to the world and then you've got belonging to Jesus. And belonging to Jesus is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to change your life. For the disciples, it's going to end in death. But this is what it looks like. And so as we think about that today, it's obviously a bit different to what it was in the first century to belong to Jesus. But as we actually ask the question, what does that mean for us? I think it's there that we start to find some tension and maybe confusion. What does it mean to belong to Jesus right now? What does it mean to kind of weigh up these decisions of belonging to the world or belonging to Jesus? How do we understand the two options that we have here in this moment? You see, I don't know as you see that, as you hear that, you know, as you think about belonging to the world or belonging to Jesus, I don't know what thoughts go through your mind in that moment. You know, do I belong to the world or do I belong to Jesus? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? What does my life reflect? If people look at my life, what do, what do they see? An alignment with the world, the kingdom outside of Jesus, or alignment to the kingdom of Jesus? 
You see, it's interesting as we think about this for us, as we think about belonging to the world or belonging to Jesus, I think in 2020 in Australia, we have kind of a unique problem. And it's not just in Australia. I think you could argue it's in the West. Uh, It's in generally countries like ours. I mean, I'm sure you face this in America, in the UK, in, in other countries like ours. And the problem is when we see what it's like to belong to the world or to belong to Jesus, our problem is we want both. Our problem is it's not one or the other. We want both. And we want both because it's deep within our psyche that we want everything, right? We live in the age of entitlement where this is just what we want as a people. We want it all. Now, you start noticing that it's a part of your psyche when it makes its way to advertising. Now, we all remember a few years ago the ad from El, pa- El, El Paso, I think it is, the flat tacos or soft ta- uh, the flat tacos or hard tacos. The little girl gets up and says, why don't we have both? You know, that she wants both, and we all agree with that. We want both. Uh, Optus also did one. I don't know if you saw this one uh, from the end of 2018. It made its way last year, though, uh, on advertising. And they had this ad where, if you saw the ad, it's a pretty good ad. So um, Optus, uh, there's this guy that goes into a fish and chip store. And he's ordering chips, and there's this moment where the person behind the counter says, do you want chicken salt or normal salt? Now, we all know that experience, don't we? And that moment at the fish and chip store where we're asked that question, if you're anything like me, I just never know what to get. I always get chicken salt, but I don't really know if that tastes better. So I just, I just do that and then go with it and just pretend that normal salt's not even an option. But in this moment, he's asked this question, what do you want, normal salt or chicken salt? And he says, both. And then he dances for 20 seconds. It's a good ad. And then at the end of the ad, it comes up and it says this, both is better. Now, Optus are promoting uh, value and coverage, I think, like, I think that's what they're talking about. But, but it's interesting, as you, as you see this, like they're pushing into kind of a deep thing within us. We do want both. We want everything. You know, like maybe in the past you had to pick between your cake and eating it as well, but now I want both. I want chicken salt and I want normal salt. I want everything. I don't want to have to choose. Why should I have to choose? I want it all. Now, the problem we have is when we come to this option that Jesus gives. Belong to the world or you can belong to Jesus. So you can belong to the world. You'll be loved by the world. You can chase the things in the world. You know, you can chase fun, chase excitement, chase the good time. You can chase the here and now. You can chase popularity. You can do that. You can belong to the world. And it might even be fun for you. It might even be an exciting time for you. You can belong to the world. Or you can belong to Jesus. You can be loved by Jesus. You can have the hope of eternal life. But it's going to be hard. You you might face persecution. But there's the option. Belong to the world or belong to Jesus. Now, what do we do? We look at those two options and we sit back and we go, I want both. Both is better. I want the world, so I want everything that the world has to give me. I want the money. I want the excitement. I want the popularity. I want the joy. I want the night out. I want the friends. I want the relationship. I want the world, and I want eternal life. I want heaven. I want glory. I want to know that this thing's not going to be the end of me. I know that this sickness won't be the end of me. I want heaven. We want both, but our problem is Jesus doesn't give us the option of having both. 
We might say both is better, but both isn't an option. It was never an option. You see, for the disciples speaking, they don't have the option of both. You know, for them, choose Jesus, follow Jesus, and you'll die. That's pretty much it for the disciples. They followed Jesus, and 11 out of 12 of them died. And John ended up probably on an island dying alone. It's what it looked like for them. They couldn't pick both. And in in certain places around the world right now, the persecuted church can't choose both. You know, we we support here at Southside, one of our mission partners is uh, an organization called Open Doors that um, that help people in the hardest places in the world be Christians. I read this week this story from Egypt where these two boys were telling a story about how they were driving along with their dad and a terrorist pulled them over, took the dad out of the car and said, if you deny Jesus, you'll live. And in front of the two boys, he didn't deny Jesus and they killed him. And then they said of the boys, are we going to kill them as well or leave them? And they said, let's leave them to tell the story. Now, do our brothers and sisters in Egypt have a choice to pick both? They can't pick the world and Jesus. They don't have the option. It's you belong to Jesus and you'll suffer and you might even die for your faith or you belong to the world and you live and you experience the love of the world. These are our options. We can't pick both. We have to choose one or the other. Will we belong to the world or will we belong to Jesus? Now, how do we figure out what this looks like for us? How do we do this? How do we push into this space as we think about that, especially if we want to belong to Jesus? What does it mean for us to do this? I mean, especially, I guess, if we're not going to do the Amish thing and isolate ourselves permanently, What does it look like for us to belong to Jesus and live in the world? I think as we think about this, I think there's three things we need to understand as we think about what it means to belong to Jesus and live in the world. There's three things that we've got to understand. The first is this, we have to understand why we bother. We have to understand why why you would bother with this. Why would you bother belonging to Jesus if it's going to be hard? You know, if it's going to mean change if it's going to mean suffering, if it's going to mean persecution, if it might mean death, why would you bother with any of this? Why would you bother? We we have to understand why we would bother. Otherwise, when it gets difficult, we're going to give up. So so why would you bother with this? Well, again, it's it's what we've already seen in this series. And what we've seen, the, the reason the disciples are to bother, the reason we are to bother, is because there's no other way. You know, Jesus said, I'm the only way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only solution. He's the only hope. He's the only peace. There is no other way to eternal life. Jesus is the only life raft in a drowning world. Jesus is the only hope in a chaotic mess. The reason why you would bother is because there is no other options. Jesus is it. It's trust Jesus and have eternal life or deny Jesus and die. Why would you bother? It's because there is no other hope. That's why you would bother in this. That's why you push into this, even in the difficulty. That's why you make a stand for Jesus when it gets hard, because there's no other options. Now, isn't it fascinating that at the moment we're seeing the other options fall apart? You know, when when people put their trust in the world, when people belong to the world, it can be fun. It can be exciting. You can try and get the world. 
But when tragedy hits, there's no answers there. You know, when, when tragedy strikes and your hope is in the world, there is no solution. You know, and, and this is what we're seeing, right? Healthcare systems are falling apart in certain places. Political systems are being exposed in the middle of all of this. People are realizing that we are more fragile than we think we are. Financially, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the global economy? And if your hope is in that stuff, you don't have an answer. There is no answer in that. I mean, we're just hoping that someone can do something and find some answer to something and this doesn't last as long, but we don't know what the future looks like. The world doesn't have a hope. There's no peace here. There's no answer to the anxiety here. But we've got an answer to the anxiety. We've got an answer to the chaos. And the answer is the one who died on the cross and rose again and defeated death and promised that one day he'll come back and fix this broken world. That's our hope. And this is why you would bother. This is why you push into this space. This is why you make a stand to belong to Jesus. Even if it's going to cost you, even if it's going to be hard, it's because there's no other solution. There's no other answer. And in a chaotic world, now more than ever, we need to know this hope. So, so this is why we bother. That's the first thing we've got to understand. Why would you bother in this? Why would you push into this? We understand why we bother. There's no other way. Number two, we understand then, if we know why we bother, if we belong to Jesus, we understand what we do with the world. Right? Because we're not going to isolate ourselves so, uh, permanently. So we understand what we're going to do with the world. And so how do we think about that? What, what's the wisdom that we have in that space as we push into belonging to Jesus and living in the world? Well, I, I think there's, um, there's three things that we can think through in pretty much any circumstance that's super helpful as we think about belonging to Jesus and living in the world. And they're three R's, so nice and helpful to remember. Uh, we can reject, we can receive, or we can redeem. Reject, receive, redeem. So when we're thinking about stuff to do with the world that we live in, we can reject it. We can say it's completely bad for me. We can receive it and say it's completely good for me. Or we can redeem it and go, this is a neutral thing or there's some bad things, there's some good things, but I'm going to use it to help people see Jesus. And, and you can make this decision literally about anything. You know, so the Amish, what they do is they kind of look at the world, look at technology and go, we're rejecting that. And the problem we have in our country is not that we reject the world, but that when you look at Christians, sometimes you can't tell the difference. We've received the world. Then there's the option to redeem as well. So let's think about some of these ways practically, because uh, you, can, you can do this with anything. Um, so we'll start with a basic one, the internet. Right? What are you going to do with the internet? If you belong to Jesus, what does it look like for us to just do the internet? Well, you've got three options. You can reject it as I'm sure someone did, or a group of people did when the internet first came out. You know, we'll reject this thing because it's evil and from the devil or whatever else. You know, you can reject the internet or you can receive the internet. You can say, it's all good for me. Everything's good for me. But no, you're saying in that moment, the YouTube comments, deep, that's good for you. You can receive it, but we all know there's some stuff you don't want to receive on the internet um, or you can redeem it. And you could say of the internet, okay, there's, this is a neutral thing potentially. There's good things here. There's bad things here. But I'm going to redeem it and use it for Jesus. So you see how it works. You can reject, you can receive, or you can redeem. Now, this works with a bunch of stuff. So let's think about schooling. 
Right? What's the message that, that the kids in school get at the moment? And maybe this is you. What's the message you get right now if you're in school? The, the message is from our education system that marks are the most important thing. And marks are the most important thing. Your grades are the most important thing because it's going to mean success for you and success for the school. And so do everything that you can to make sure that your grades are the best thing they can possibly be. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that message? Well, we can reject it. You know, that's an option. We could reject it. We could go, I don't know if I like that message, so I'm going to reject it. Maybe that's why you, know, you might homeschool. You're rejecting the schooling system. You can receive it. You can go, okay, no, I like that message. I want that message. I'm going to double down on that message. You know, so when the kids come home from school, I'm reminding them, hey, how's your homework? I'm, I'm pushing into that stuff. Let's do that stuff. I'm making them feel bad for their grades. I'm, I'm pushing into that space, doubling down on the message that they get at school. You can reject it, you can receive it, or you can redeem it. You can go, okay, well, I'm not against the schooling system in the whole but I'm going to redeem this message that our kids are getting at school and I'm going to remind them when they come home from school that the most important thing for them is not their grades, but their faith in Jesus. I'm going to remind my kids that they're not defined by what they do at school, but who they are in Jesus. I'm going to remind them that even if the schooling system, even if they're struggling at school, that they're still loved by Jesus. You see, you can reject it, you can receive it, and you can redeem it. And what that means for you in your space will look different. Um, as I think about schooling in that way, I'm grateful for my parents in this moment. Um, I didn't like school, and safe to say, school didn't like me. And I struggled at school, but I was grateful that my parents pushed into that space and remind me that the most important thing were not my grades. It was my faith. And they were far more concerned about my character than they were about what I got in class. So reject, receive, redeem. One more, think about friendships. Okay, what do we do with our friendships? Sometimes we can reject friendships. Sometimes we need to reject friendships. It sounds savage, doesn't it, to reject someone? But sometimes we've got to do that because the friendships are toxic or they're unhelpful. They're pulling us away from Jesus. And so we've got to reject those friendships now, don't hear me saying it's going to be easy to do that because it's not easy to do that. It's difficult to do that. Um, I, I remember for me, there was this moment I became a Christian around 18 and I had a group of five mates from school. Uh, we were the close friends, but they were toxic for my faith. And so there was this moment where they were going to the Gold Coast to, get, um, to have a massive drink up and my closest mate from school looked at me in the eye and said, Ben, if you don't come, this is your last chance. That's it. You didn't th I didn't know that drama existed in friendships until this moment, but here I am faced with this option. Do I go to the coast with my friends or do I stay and reject that friendship and lose friends that I care about and that I enjoyed hanging out with? But it was toxic for me. It was unhelpful for me. And so I stayed and I didn't go. We can reject certain friends realizing that it might be unhealthy for us, unhelpful for us toxic for us or we can receive we can receive friendships you know there's certain people in our life that it's good for us to be friends with them we love them we love being with them they help us in our faith we've just received that friendship for some of us we've received friendships that aren't helpful for us you know for some of us there are toxic friendships that we've just received we've just taken on board for some we can't see that but everyone else in our life can see that about us we can receive friendships or we can redeem friendships. 
We can push into friendships and say, you know what? There's some good aspects to this and bad aspects to this, but I'm going to redeem this. I'm going to be Jesus in this and point people to Jesus. Now, what you do in those situations will change as to where you are in your life and your maturity and what you're going through. See, for me, when I was 18, I couldn't do that friendship. But I think now I could redeem that. I could push into that space. You have to judge it according to what it's kind of doing for you and how helpful it is for you. So you can reject, you can receive, or you can redeem. Now, it's helpful to think about this. If I belong to Jesus, if I'm orbiting my life around Jesus, living for Him, then what it's going to look like for me is going to be different in each circumstance. But I'm going to ask that question over and over. What is the thing that I'm faced with? Will I reject it? Will I receive it or will I redeem it? What will I do in that moment? You know, and it, it could be about anything. It could be about an app on your phone. Could it be about usage of social media? It could be about friendships you have. It could be about work. It could be about something you're spending your time doing, TV shows, whatever it could be. You think about it and you ask that question, okay, what do I need to do here as a, as a follower of Jesus? So first thing we do, we understand why we bother. There is no other hope. There's no other way. Number two, we understand what we do in the world. We push into that space with wisdom. We think through, will I reject, will I receive, or will, will I redeem? And then finally, number three, as we do this, as we belong to Jesus, we're prepared for the fallout. We're prepared that it's going to be hard. We're prepared that if I am truly going to reject certain things and redeem other things, that there's going to be people that don't like that. We're prepared for the fallout. You see, if we truly belong to Jesus... If we are with Jesus, holding on to the good stuff that he gives and orbiting our lives around him, centering our lives on him, eventually what's going to happen is it's going to clash with the world. It's just going to happen. Eventually, we're going to find moments for us where it's going to clash, where it's going to get difficult, where it's, it's going to be hard. If we're truly living for Jesus, there's going to be moments where you're pressured, where you're pushed where the question will be asked of you, are you going to stand for Jesus or are you going to let it go? Are you going to hold on to Jesus or are you going to belong to the world? If we are living for Jesus, we have to be prepared that there's going to be fallout. Now here in Australia, it feels like this is coming for us. Again, I don't know what the future is going to look like, but it feels like this is where the tide's going. Feels like in, in here, in our country, we are going to face this more and more. It's interesting, with Open Doors, they've changed their motto, not just to helping people outside of Australia in the hardest places in the world, but to help all followers, even in Australia. I think they're recognizing that it's going to be more difficult for us to belong to Jesus here and now. But when we face those moments of difficulty, persecution, rejection, when we're ignored... We can't be shocked by it, you know, which is what our reaction has been in the past. We're shocked by people not accepting our belief systems or our ways. We're shocked when people lose their jobs. We're shocked by it. We can't be shocked by it. Jesus said that this would happen. And it has been happening for the majority of Christians throughout history. We can't be shocked by it. We can't be surprised by it. But we also can't let it crush us because it's in the middle of this Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's with you. I'm with you. And in this space, you're holding on to, you're belonging to Jesus because you know why this matters. You know there's no other hope. And in the middle of pressure, you hold on to your faith. So what does it mean to belong to Jesus and live in this world? We know why it matters. We know why we bother with this. 
We think with wisdom in this space and then we're prepared for the fallout. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us think through what this means for us. We pray that as we think about belonging to Jesus and belonging to the world, that we wouldn't just take both, that we would recognize we can't have both, that both is not better because both is not an option. But we pray that as we think through what it means to belong to Jesus, if we are going to live for Jesus, that we would live for Jesus, that we'd stand up in those moments of pressure, in those moments of difficulty, that we would stand up and that we'd hold on to our faith. And when it gets hard and when it gets difficult, that we would remember why we bother with this in the first place. It's because there is no other way. There is no other hope. There is no other peace. It's found in Jesus alone. So give us grace, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.